Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Turn with us tonight to the book of John, chapter number 19. Uh, We'll do our best to get through this as quickly as possible. And I'm anxious to stand tonight. Appreciate the opportunity to stand. Appreciate your obedience to God. Every soul that's already used this altar, listen, that's what it's for. And uh, I appreciate the Lord moving among us tonight. Thank him for that. John chapter number 19. If you'll turn with us to the scripture tonight. Verse number 38 is where we'll begin. John chapter number 19, verse 38. And after this... Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. And the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. In the garden, a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. Bow with us, if you will. Father, thank you for your word. We pray, God, for the Holy Spirit's bidding, the unction in it. We confess, God, we're not able to do anything but stand, so we pray, God, for the unction for it. Speak to our hearts, Father, and may this simple message touch us. May we each one leave different than when we came. Thank you for the bidding you've already shared, and we pray for what's yet to come. We ask it believing as we pray it all in Jesus' great name. Amen. I am trying my best not to get ahead of God. Uh, it, is everybody sure you got everything done you're supposed to do? No. Um, Thank you. I was driving through town the other day. I, well, really, I don't even remember where I was driving through. But I think a lot on persecution, you know, to the people of God. And I think about how persecution in the United States is starting to ramp up. Started out as soft, and now we're starting to see physical violence against people of the Christian faith. And then, you know, and, and I'm, being who I am, I don't want to face that. I don't. But truth be told, that's what I'm called to. Because he said, if they will hate me, they are going to hate you. And, you know, and I, I think on this all the time just because I'm like, Lord, when that time comes, please let me be ready. Give me a boldness that I don't have. And, um, you know, he he gave me the thought of there is nothing, there is nothing, no one can do anything to you that I don't let them. And, I mean, the strength that just that simple thought gave to me, it it does not matter ultimately. You know, I heard uh, Coy Adams say, you know, what if they if they walk up to me and they shoot me and kill me for sharing Jesus? He said, that's all right. They'll lay me in the ground and there will be another one right behind me. I mean, ultimately, it is the will of God that is the most Amen. important thing. And the will Amen. of God is that every...
And so my prayer is that he will give me a boldness to face adversity that I know will come. Because I'm not because, you know, I want glory for it, but because he deserves my standing for him. Because he stood for me and he took my place. So why would I not want to give my all for him if that is what should come to me? You know, so whatever may come, so be it. Because if it is coming, he already knows about it and he is allowing it. And so I need to just trust him and press forward and do my best for him because that's all I've got to give him. Amen. Amen. Someone else. for being obedient and sharing that because it just goes right along with the message. Michael? I believe that he can, if he can make a breakthrough, which I saw today, he can, hey, I don't want to say this, some of the people that try to, you know, he might, he might give a disease. He can do anything. Amen. Uh, Keep your Bibles open tonight, John chapter number 19. I appreciate the testimonies tonight. Uh, The man that buried Jesus, uh, if I had a title for the message tonight, that would be it, the man that buried Jesus. I want to share with you, similar to what was testified about just a second or two ago, what the Bible says about this man, Joseph of Arimathea. You'll find in the Word of God four times that Joseph is mentioned each one of them in direct relation to the burial of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever tried to look, but he's not anywhere else in the Bible. You won't see him referred to in the Gospels anywhere else, and I've not found him in any of the epistles. Nowhere else in the New Testament will you find the name Joseph of Arimathea, but four times it's recorded for us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not one of the men that wrote the Gospels left him out. Now, you will find that there are times that one of them will mention somebody and another one, he won't mention them. But with Joseph of Arimathea, they all mentioned him and they all said something similar about this man. Now, 
When it comes to men in the Word of God, may I say to you today, when the Word of God mentions them, it's worth noting. But it, when it mentions them four times about the same thing, well, I believe we ought to take special note. May I say to you tonight that all four of these men thought of this man very highly. Now, knowing that we didn't know anything before about him and we don't know anything after about him, we ought to marvel at just this simple truth that these men, each one of them, as they were penning the Word of God, the Holy Spirit moved upon them to write something specifically about the man that buried Jesus. His name was Joseph. The Bible said in the book of Matthew, Matthew said that he was a rich man and that he was also himself Jesus' disciple. Mark would say this, that he was an honorable counselor which also waited for the kingdom of God. Luke said that he was a good man and a just man who had not consented to the counsel of the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin that had condemned Jesus to die. And as I read to you, John the Apostle said that he was a disciple of Jesus but secretly for fear. May I say tonight that this man has been honored in the word of God and I hope by the end of the message you might understand why. But the man that buried Jesus has been memorialized in the gospel record as the woman that had broke that alabaster box and the Bible said to whom when she had poured it on him and they said that it was a great waste and how that they had uh, uh had spoke against what this woman did. He told them to be quiet. He said, what she's done is for my death and my burial. And he said, it'll be remembered. Everybody will remember what this woman has done for me. It was memorialized for her. And may I say to you that Joseph of Arimathea was memorialized in the word of God for what he did for the Lord Jesus. I want to share tonight just three thoughts concerning this man. Number one was his response. Now, what John tells us about Joseph was that he was a secret disciple. You say, preacher, how can you be a secret disciple? May I say today that I believe there's a lot of secret disciples, at least many out there that are unwilling to step forward, many out there that are unwilling to put their faith on display that others might see them, realizing that persecution may come from it, there may be a great loss from it, there may be a price to pay that they're unwilling to pay and I see a lot of people today that I believe some of them truly are saved and yet they do not serve Jesus Christ and yet we hear about this man Joseph of Arimathea. John knew him well enough to say uh, that he was a secret disciple uh, for fear of the Jews. What we know about this man uh, before this event that we read about uh, what we know is that he was afraid to step forward. He was afraid to go forward farther uh, with what his faith was telling him to do. He was afraid uh, to step out and to be what God had called him to be. But oh, ain't you glad uh, that when he got to that good day, a uh, friend, when the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, uh, that this man Joseph of Arimathea, there was something happened in him, a uh, friend, that changed him forever. Uh, this secret disciple, this man that was unwilling before uh, to stand against the Sanhedrin who was unwilling before how to step out publicly for Jesus Christ. His response to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ forever changed him. I wonder today how many of us would be willing to respond to the Lord and to say, I now believe. I believe with all of my heart 
Listen to me tonight. What this man did, I believe, exhibited a faith and a devotion and a love for Christ. Uh, that can only be found, friend, when we examine the, the sacrifices of those of this good book that gave their entire lives for Jesus Christ. I uh, Note with us tonight his response to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Uh, friend, when we think about what changes a man truly in his heart, may I say uh, that there wasn't any greater event in my mind or in my heart than the cross of Jesus Christ. When I realized as a child, a friend, by the bidding of the Holy Spirit, that it was Jesus that died for me, and I realized that what he did was to save my soul from that awful place. The cross of Jesus Christ is what changed you and I. It's the gospel that Paul would preach everywhere that he went. Jesus Christ and him crucified, and may I say that the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is what changed Joseph of Arimathea. That's what changed him. You say, preacher, was he there? He had to be. He had to be. He had to be present that day. Probably close enough (coughs) to have heard him being accused, false accused by the Sanhedrin. He probably seen what took place as that mockery of a trial condemned him to death. He probably seen as he witnessed Jesus being taken before Pilate and he witnessed that crowd crying out, crucify him, crucify him. He probably could see when they tied him to that uh, whipping post and began to scourge him, a friend. He probably could see as the Lamb of God carried a cross all the way from there up to Calvary's hill. And when he got there, watched him as he laid down on that cross. You say, are you sure he was there? Yes, hang with me you'll see it in a minute but I want you to know that there was something that he saw that day that changed him you say I'm not so sure how that one event in history has the power to truly change a man's soul let me tell you about another man that was standing there how the Bible said there was a Roman centurion that stood there that day and as he watched the proceedings and everything that had taken place and when he himself had pierced his side and saw the blood and the water come out and he seen the sun hide his face and he felt the earth tremble beneath his feet and the rocks around him began to burst. He said truly, this was the Son of God. Listen to me, the greatest event in the history of mankind was when God sent his Son to the world and he gave himself a sacrifice for you and me that we all might be saved. And it still has the power to change men today. The cross of Jesus Christ still has the power to change men. I believe the response of Joseph of Arimathea was paramount. I believe it was absolutely necessary that day. He might have been a disciple secretly before. That there was something he witnessed that day that made him step forward when Jesus was crucified. There was something about him hanging on that cross. There was something about the words he must have heard that come from the lips of our Savior. There must have been something about what he witnessed that day, but whatever it was, he no longer was in fear. He no longer was a fearful disciple, a secret disciple. He stepped forward that day. 
after seeing the cross of Jesus Christ. His response forces us to see his faith. There was something that this man did that nobody else did. Not one. None. Think about it with me for a minute. There was a man there at the foot of his cross, John the Beloved. No doubt comforting the mother of Jesus Christ. We hear the words that came from the cross that day. As he looked down and he said, Behold your mother. And he took to his mother and said, Behold your son. As he inferred to John the Beloved the care of his own mother that day. I don't know what took place, but I do know this. The most of the disciples had already ran. They had already hid themselves. You want to talk about secret disciples? They were glad to be there when he was feeding the multitude. They were glad to be there when he was raising the dead and causing the blind to see. But brother, when the cross went up before the heavens and the earth, I want you to know, brother, there wasn't many there that day. But I believe this man, Joseph of Arimathea, was there. I believe he knew the instant that Jesus said it is finished and he gave up the ghost and he died. He knew what took place on the cross and it changed him forever. Has the cross of Christ changed you tonight? Has it changed you tonight? I'm looking in the eyes of some. I know it's changed him. I know it's changed him. The cross of Christ and the resurrection of Christ has forever changed who you are. You'll never be the same again. You'll never step back into the closet of this world and say I know him not no you've already been there you have witnessed Calvary's tree you have seen the suffering of the Savior and you've seen the power of his resurrection and brother we stand today not as secret disciples but as those who have been called out by the power of a cross today what was his response What was his response? Well, it wasn't no more secret. What Joseph saw that night was enough to propel him in a direction that would forever, would forever memorialize his name as the man that buried Jesus. I don't know about you, but I kept thinking about this. This has blessed my soul. I don't know how many times this week has I thought about this man's faith. Yeah, he might have been secret at one time, but I'll tell you right now, they wasn't holding it against him. Hey, man, they couldn't hold it against him because during that day, most of them had already run. Peter had already denied him three times. Peter had already hung his head in disgust and shame, and yet here was a man that had stepped forward of the Sanhedrin and stepped into a place where he was now fixing to say I do know him and I love him as well what was his response his response to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was to step forward and to ask for the body of Jesus let me tell you something he forever identified himself among his peers among his family, among the social elite of the society, to pilot himself to the Roman soldiers, they would never forget the face of the man that stepped forward that day and said, give me his body that I might bury him. 
I don't know about you, but I'd like to be remembered for something. It ain't about who I was in this world. It ain't about where I worked or what I accomplished. It ain't about what I might have owned or might not have. I'll tell you, I'd like to have been known as one that loved him who loved me first. I'd like to be known, amen, as one to whom the cross of Jesus Christ forever changed. Amen. What a response. What a response. The Bible tells us that his faith went from a secret faith to a sure faith. His faith went to Zacchaeus's faith. I thought about it this way. Oh, Zacchaeus had two kinds of faith in that story. One was a faith that made him climb up a tree and the other was a faith that made him climb down. I don't know about you, but it's one thing to climb up. But bless God, when you decide to climb down, you're fixing to get changed. That's what happened to old Zacchaeus. He had a climbing up faith and when Jesus stopped at his tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down. Brother, he got a climbing down faith. He got an identity that was related and associated with Jesus Christ. This man Nicodemus responded with a sure faith. He might have had a secret faith in the beginning, but he now had a sure faith. His response was evident as having seen the death of Jesus Christ, recognizing that this man truly was dead. Hey, if the Roman soldier wasn't confused about what took place, old Joseph of Arimathea for sure wasn't confused about what had just happened. He knew that he was now the Lamb of God. He knew before that there was something about this man. He, like Nicodemus, amen, had believed in this man secretly for fear of the Jews. But now they've seen something different. The cross had done the work in them. It had made the change to a secret faith, to a sure faith. What was your response to the cross tonight? I tried to remember my, my response. I tried to remember what it was like just the last day or so as I've, as I've gone back over the, the message. I've tried to remember the effect of the cross and what it did to me and how it changed me that day. Here's what I can tell you. I've never been the same. I've never been the same since that day. What it did to me, no man could do. Amen. What I didn't believe before, I believed that by the time I'd left that night. I might not have understood all that I was believing in, but I believed in whom I had believed. There was a sureness into whom I had trusted. And brother, that was enough to make a change in my soul. The response to the man that married, buried Jesus was to obey his own heart as he stepped forward and called for his body. What was the response when the cross found you? What was your response? Maybe you're somebody listening tonight and you're not even present with us, but you'll listen to this some other time and you'll have to face the realization that you've heard the gospel truth. You've heard the account of the death of Jesus Christ. You've heard of who, how he suffered and why he suffered. You've, you've heard of how he rose from the dead. May I ask you tonight, what's your response to Christ? What's your response to Calvary's crucifixion? What's your response to the Lord's way of saving the world that will believe? What's your response to Jesus tonight? Is it faith? Is it a sure faith? 
that causes you to step out and to step forward? Is it a faith that's no longer just a climbing up faith, but it's a climbing down faith? It's a faith that says, I identify with this man. I'm willing to die for this man. Oh, we see the response from Joseph of Arimathea. Here's what the disciples said about his response. Matthew said it like this. He said, he went to Pilate and he begged for the body of Jesus. You say, preacher, that's fairly strong language. The other one, the Bible said in the book of Mark, said it this way, said that he went in boldly to Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. Does he sound fearful to you anymore? Does this sound like a disciple that is in fear? Does it sound like a disciple that is hiding his faith in this man, Jesus Christ? Does this sound like a man who is wavering between two decisions anymore? No, it sounds to me like he's made up his mind. He is going to step out regardless of what takes place. He is going to move forward. What he saw that day at Calvary was enough to change him forever. And he stepped forward that day. And he went unto Pilate boldly according to the Apostle Mark. And he craved the body of Jesus according to Matthew and Luke. He begged for the body of Jesus. You say, preacher, was it like that? I truly believe it was. I believe when he went into Pilate, he was already begging, please let me take his body down. Please, I want to bury him. Please let me have this man who was called the king of the Jews. I believe he was something greater than that. What's your response to the cross today I'll tell you for the man that buried Jesus it was a life changing event that forced him to respond in such a way with such a boldness that he would forever be identified and may I say forever memorialized in association to Jesus Christ when you talk about the death you you know in the book of Corinthians 15 chapter, I believe it is, it refers to the death, the burial, and the resurrection. <laughs> How'd you like to be the man who was associated with the burial? Huh? Wasn't Matthew, wasn't Mark, wasn't Peter, wasn't Luke, wasn't Paul, wasn't none of them. Nope, there was one man had the privilege to bury Jesus Christ, to be responsible for the body that had been prepared before the foundation of the world, to be sent for the ungodly of this world. One man, one man was changed at the cross that day and his life's mission became very simple, very focused, very responsive as he recognized that he had the power to go unto Pilate. He had the responsibility to go unto Pilate and to beg, crave, seek the body of Jesus. He besought him and got the body of Jesus Christ. That sounds like a secret disciple anymore. This man encourages me. Amen. There might have been a time in his life when he laid back. There might have been a time in his life when he was hiding behind a wall listening to that man. There might have been a time when he was on the outside of the crowd watching what was going on. There might have been a time when he laid his head on his pillow at night and said, I believe that he's the son of God. I believe it, but I can't step forward. I can't do it. But may I say to you, when he saw that, when the cross came into his life, when that single event presented itself, he Change that day. It built in him a faith that would go forward. Amen. What's it done for you? What's it done for you? 
We got people that won't even go to church. Yet Joseph of Arimathea, the power of the cross, so changed him that he went from a disciple who secretly lived it in fear to stepping forward that day. Boldly, is what Mark said, he boldly went unto Pilate. Pilate was the ruler. And oh, here comes old Joseph of Arimathea boldly in there. And he said, hey, he said, I want his body. The Bible said, I believe it was Mark, said that Pilate marveled that he was already dead. Uh, how can he be dead so quick? And he asked one of the centurions. He said, find out if this is true. And the Bible said they came back and told him, said, sure enough, he's dead. He's dead. Pilate said, you can have him then. He was forever that day labeled as the man. Can you imagine all of his Sanhedrin friends? Can you imagine all them hypocritical Pharisees that had just put Jesus on a cross as they watched this man step out from among them, step out from his own class, step out from his own religious sect, step right out in the middle and say, I don't care what you people believe. I don't care whether you trust in what just happened on that cross, but I am going to Pilate. You can do what you want to do, but I have been changed by the cross. What was his response? We see that it was no longer one of secret fear, a secret service, or a secret devotion to this one we know to be the Lamb of God crucified for the world. No, but we see Joseph of Arimathea step forward in a bold faith. You say, preacher, that's what I want. We've already heard it tonight in some of the testimonies, that boldness that we desire to have in the face of persecution, in the face of opposition, in the face of obstacles. We want to have that boldness that propels us forward so that we don't turn our back on him, that we don't lay down our armor in fear, but we step forward for the man of God, friend, and do the work of God for him. May I say today, Joseph had a sure faith that day. And that sure faith is what produced in him a confidence that produced a boldness. And he stepped forward and looked Pilate, the ruler of all Judea, in the eyes and said, I must have the body of this man. He wasn't taking no for an answer. No, I don't believe under any circumstance would would Joseph have given up that day until he had the body of Jesus or or they laid him down one. That's exactly what I think about this man. His faith created a response in him that raised him up in the middle of all that was going on and caused him to walk boldly into Pilate's hall and say, give me his body that I might bury him. What's his response? It was to stand for Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to note this before I move on. I want you to note this. Hear me now. Don't don't miss this part. He did all of that for a dead Savior. Good night. Huh? You talking about your faith? Your Savior's alive. This man stepped forward and his was dead. He believed in him so much that he was willing that even though he saw him die, he was stepping forward. Good gracious. That's powerful. 
This man did that for a dead Savior. Say, preacher, he knew he'd rise again. No, he didn't. He didn't know no more than them others did. He was just as surprised as the rest of them. He didn't know he was going to rise again. He might have heard the words just like they did, but he didn't comprehend what was happening. No, he had no anticipation that three days later, Jesus Christ would be alive again. No, he did everything he did for a a dead Savior. That begs the question, what you doing for a living one? Convicted me. I hope it convicts you too, right? I'm not, I don't want to be the only one convicted. What are you doing for a living, Savior? You'd think that'd make all the difference in the world, amen? If this man was willing to put his life on the line for a dead Savior, what ought we to do for one that's alive? That was his response. That was his response. But let's look at his resolve. He made up his mind on what he was going to do, but then he had to do something about it. Right, It's one thing to make up your mind that you're going to do something, but it's a totally other thing to go and do it. To go and do what you've made up your mind to do. Now his faith, I believe, was sure and steadfast, but look at his resolve. It's all through the four Gospels. We see what he, what, how his resolve was reflected in what he did. Let me say this. The cost he was willing to pay was extraordinary. The cost he was willing to pay was extraordinary. Uh, that's, that's reflective, friend. That's reflective uh, of the resolve that he had toward this man, Jesus Christ. Now, he was no longer, yes, a secret disciple. No, he stepped out and made it clear. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Give me his body. I'm going to take him down and I'll bury him. He did all of that believing in a dead Savior. But may I say to you today, when it come right down, what are you going to do now? All right, you went before Pilate and you begged the body of Jesus. Amen. That was extraordinary in itself. That took more faith than probably you and I have got put together. That took more courage and resolve to go under Pilate and to do that very thing. But I want you to notice what he lost. He lost all of his social standing. If you'll remember, he was a Pharisee. He was also a good counselor. He was on the very council. And according to the Apostle John, he did not consent into this murder or this crucifixion of this just man. He was unwilling to consent. And yet what we find is that he was willing to to pay the cost. He paid the cost socially. He lost his standing in the community. He paid the cost religiously. Nevermore would this man be allowed on the Sanhedrin High Court. Nevermore would this man be allowed to sit on the council of the religious leaders of that day. That day, what he knew was I'm giving that up. It ain't worth any, ain't that what Paul said? He said, you can have all of that. Ain't any of that other stuff, anything but done unto me. He said, I count it all but lost that I might win Christ as my own. That's what we see in this man Joseph of Arimathea. But listen to me, listen to me. He was doing it for a dead Savior. Paul was doing it for a living one. Look at the faith of this man. Look at the resolve of this man. He was willing to give up everything he had ever worked for for a dead Savior. He was willing to give up his position as a Pharisee, willing to give up his position on the council of the Sanhedrin. He was willing to give up his social status in that community. Mark it. 
Both, both Matthew and Luke said he was a rich man. He probably gave up, sacrificed, amen, for his faith in Jesus Christ. What once had brought him wealth, he gave it up. And he did so willingly. That was his resolve. He paid with everything he had worked all of his life to get. He, he, he laid it all aside and said, I don't care about any of that. What keeps you from Christ today? What little trinket keeps you from Christ today? What little hobby, what little habit, what little thing keeps you from the love of Jesus Christ today? Listen to me, there ain't anything in this world worth dying and going to hell for. And even though his Savior was dead, Joseph of Arimathea said, I don't care what they say, I believe in Jesus Christ. And I believe that the man that just died right there was the Son of God. That's what I believe, and I'm going to stand for it at the expense of everything I know and am. Sister was talking about persecution. That's what it's about, you see. Right? That's, that's where it all comes into play. Is what are we, are we willing? Are we willing to stand in the face of adversity and say, I have been so changed by the cross of Jesus Christ that it does not move me at all that I shall lose all of my social standing, my religious, my religious authority, or my worldly wealth. Think about it. Joseph said, I care not for none of that. Above this truth that I believe the man that died on that cross was the son of God. Do you see his, do you see his resolve? As he begins to put into action the faith that caused him to boldly go unto Pilate. That same faith was now propelling him to stand against all of those that had stood against Jesus Christ. He was to stand for Christ and against them by doing what it would take to bury the precious sacrifice of the Almighty God. What a resolve. A resolve that caused him not only to sacrifice everything that he was personally, socially, but then he paid a great price monetarily to see that Christ was buried. The Bible said that he bought, that's what one of the writers said. One of them said he, 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 he had fine linen and wrapped him in it. The other one goes farther and says he bought fine linen and then wrapped him in it. Fine linen wasn't cheap, all right? He didn't say a cheap garment. He said fine linen. He bought the best that could be bought. <laughs> Hang with me right here. You say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. When did he do that? He couldn't have done it that day. Good gracious, think of this man's faith. He couldn't have done it that day. By that morning, he was on the cross. He had gone all through the night. Do you remember what happened? They got him in the garden. It was in the middle of the night. They drug him to Pilate and Caiaphas and and back and forth. And ultimately, by morning, they had scourged him and marched him to Calvary. 
When, pray tell, did Joseph have a chance to buy this fine linen? The Bible didn't tell us exactly. But what I've got rolling around in my little brain and in my heart is that because he knew the intent of the Sanhedrin from the very beginning and had stood against their counsel for him, he had stood against that even though he was a secret, a secret disciple of Jesus himself. He stood against their counsel to crucify him. He knew in advance what was going to happen. And he had already prepared. He had bought fine linen. Now notice that he wasn't the only one that had made some purchases. The Bible tells us of another secret disciple in whom the cross of Jesus Christ forever changed. It wasn't just Joseph. When Joseph had got permission from Pilate to have the body of Christ... He went back with that authority, those papers, whatever gave him the authority to take that body down from the cross. He went back to Calvary's hill where Jesus hung on that cross, a bloody corpse. And there someone else met him. John tells us it was Nicodemus. Nicodemus, the same one John records in John chapter number 3 that Jesus gave John three sixteen to, right? That same man who was also a secret disciple for fear of the Jews. Nicodemus had also been moved by the cross to step forward that day. Did you know that though sometimes it feels like we're alone, we ain't. You ain't the only one sticking your neck out for Jesus. No, by the time you think you are, there'll be one roll up beside you. Say, let me help you with that. Can you see him? I'm talking about the resolve still. You know what they had to do next? Yeah, he had to spend his money. Nicodemus had 100 pounds worth of spices and aloe. That wasn't cheap. No, that was major, major money right there. But they had to get that body down. Doesn't say they had any help. So I'm going to assume them two old Pharisees set into getting him off that cross. And you know what? You, you know what you're going to grab hold of when you touch Jesus from a cross? Blood. Well, I thought about that. I'd say they had it from the top of their head, plumbed down to their sandals. I'd say every part of their robe. Had no oh Lord, can you see what's happening? They had made up their mind that they were going to be affiliated with the man that just died on that cross, and the next thing they happens, his blood's all over them. Yeah. I can see him in my mind's eye, right? Don't trust my mind's eye, but I can see him in my mind's eye. Both of them, they finally get that cross down, and they get they get that hand off that spike, and and old. Nicodemus, he gets the other one. They got prying his feet loose from that thing, and they got blood all over him. They didn't have latex gloves back then. They had it all over him. And I can see old Joseph Farimathea look up Nicodemus and say, You know, we marked for dead men. <laughs> That's what I've seen. And I can see old Nicodemus say, Yep. Joseph said, I don't care, do you? I don't either. They had it all over them. 
I'll tell you right now, when the cross makes a change in you, the blood just gets all over you. It just gets all over you. See, they had to do something with what they had now believed. You can't just sit there. That's what happens to people. That's how seed gets into the way where the bird gets it and steals it away. You just sit there with the faith he gave you to be saved. You don't do anything with it. These men stepped forward and did something with it. They had a resolve in their heart. They took the body of Jesus from that cross. My goodness, I wish I could preach more on this. But you just take it for what it's worth. They is invested head to foot. I'm telling you right now, one of them was putting spices and aloe while the other one was trying to wrap that thing around his limp body. Over and over. They wrapped and they wound and they packed and they wound and they laid the spices and they went over and over and they finally had that thing wrapped all up. They had the Lamb of God right there in a cocoon. You know what they had to do? They had to, they had to do something with the body. They'd resolved in their mind, we're going to take this all the way. Joseph said, I done got it. He said, I just bought me a new tomb. He said, them boys been carving on that rock for six months. It just now got done. Nicodemus said, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining this right. I can hear old Nicodemus saying, you know, Joe, once you lay him in there, you can't put nobody else in that one. Yeah, I'm all right with that. I'll get another one. You see what I'm saying? That cost a fortune for men to work month after month to hew out of a, a rock, a tomb. And yet Joseph said, I got this covered. Bought the linen, you brought the spices and the aloes. We got him wrapped. I got a tomb. Ain't one thing to do then. Let's carry him to it. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea picked up the dead body of Jesus Christ and they toted it into the garden that was near Calvary's hill. They went right down to that new tomb that Joseph had purchased and had hewn out of the rock. They laid the body of Jesus Christ in the tomb and then they rolled a great stone to the door. That's what the Bible tells us. Well, there's his response and there's his resolve. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to think like the disciples this was some kind of fella. I'm liking this guy the more I think about it. He had, he had a heck of a faith. I'm telling you, he had faith that goes beyond what we've really considered before. Because again, all of his faith was in a dead Savior. All right, I'm going to close with this. One last thing. You got his response, then you got his resolve. It proved his faith. But I want to talk about his reward. You say, no, wait a minute. Bible don't say anything else about old Joseph of Arimathea. How do you think you know anything about his reward? Well, I'm going to try to share it with you. But I'm going to preface it with this. This is all coming from here, not there. You got that? Right? You're not going to find it in your Bible? I done told you. But I think you'll follow along with me. 
The Bible said they laid Jesus in the tomb for three days. After the third day, the Bible said the ladies went to the tomb. They found out Jesus wasn't there. The angels told them he's not here. He's risen. Just like he said, go tell the disciples. They went and told the disciples. Same day, Jesus joined up with a couple of old boys going down to Emmaus. He talked to them, revealed himself unto them. Next thing you know, they hightail it back to Jerusalem to let them know. And guess what? While they're in there fixing to tell them, he walks in the room. And the Bible said that Jesus was alive on the earth for 40 days. Now, I want you to think in your own mind, if you were Jesus, who one person you might like to chat with? Did you know he didn't ask Joseph to do that? Did you know he didn't commission Joseph to do that? He didn't call Joseph to do that? He didn't tell Joseph a week before, this is what's going to happen. I need you too. He didn't do any of that. And you know what, Joseph? He did all that because he believed. Here's what I think happened. It might have been on that third day. It might have been on the 10th day. It might have been on the 39th day. But one of them days, I'd say Jesus walked up to that old boy and said, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I sure do appreciate that. You didn't have to do that. Oh, what care you made for me. And I never asked you. You say, preacher, do you think the Lord's really appreciative? Do you think the Lord's really there? Well, well, I done told you the testimony of my friend, my brother that left on Sunday morning. Right? The last thing they saw was him raising his hands up. His eyes cleared up and he said, I'm coming. Let's talk about Joseph's reward. If you won't stick with me on whether or not you think Jesus during them 40 days hunted old Joseph of Arimathea up and said, that's mighty kind of you. I know I messed up that good tomb you had done, but I didn't really need it that long. But I sure appreciate the care you took and the boldness you took to go under Pilate and to beg, beg, crave my body so that you might tenderly, you and Nicodemus, wrap that thing in in those linens and place that in your own tomb. Yeah, yeah, not not without a doubt. I'll find out when I get to heaven. You mark my words. I'm going to ask him. But I'll guarantee you what happened. Somewhere or another in that 40 days, Jesus came to him. But oh, even if he didn't, let's talk about when old Joseph went to heaven. Talk about when Joseph went to heaven. Can you imagine the homecoming or what happened that day? Oh, Joseph's on his deathbed, fixing to leave this world. And he closes his eyes just barely to this world. And and suddenly when he looks up, there's the hand of that one he wrapped. Hey, hey. Surely thank you. About that. I'm telling you right now, the more I think about what this man did, and he wasn't told to do it, he wasn't asked to do it, and he did it for a Savior that wasn't alive, but he was dead. Goodness gracious, what a faith. I believe the very minute he opened his eyes from this world, Jesus was standing there saying, Thank you. Thank you.
As a matter of fact, you don't know it yet. He said, but I'm going to make four of them rascals right about you. He said, from here to eternity's door. He said, they're going to read about you and what you did for me. I'll close with this. Do you know, meeting Jesus ain't the only one in heaven. The one thing I know about God the Father is that he has honored everything the Son has done. And he has also honored every person that stood for the Son. You imagine what he heard when Jesus walked him up to the Almighty. You remember reading those words in the Bible where it says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Glory, glory, glory. I've tried the last couple of days to imagine in my mind what it was like when the father and Joseph of Arimathea stood before him, what the father might have said. (laughs) Well done! Well done! Well done! You begged for his body. You took it from that cross. You bore the blood. You wrapped it with garments you had purchased. And you both carried it to your own tomb. You gave up everything in this world for my son. Yep, I think he said, well done. Well done. The man that buried Jesus. That's all we know about him. We don't know whether he did anything else for Jesus. But forever memorialized in the pages of his holy scripture is what he did do. And he did all that for a Savior that was dead. Only to meet the living one after that. What are you doing for him today? I find myself conflicted now as I recognize that that my Savior is alive and has proven himself miraculous to me over and over and over. And yet there are times I find this this flesh unyielding to the simplest of tasks for Jesus Christ. Well, if that's the case with you, I'm going to have you consider the man that buried him, the man that buried Jesus. Would you stand with us tonight? If you're here and you've got a need in your heart, he can help you with it. Same guy that buried him, I believe got to see him after he had rose again. And I believe one of these days we'll get to meet Joseph and Nicodemus and all them others who even though they were disciples fled from him that day, but not these men. What a blessing. If you're here today and need the Lord, anybody at all, you're welcome to come. We'll pray with you.